everybody. What's going on? This is uh, Grayson Pangelinen. My name's Sebastian Ravitz, and we're, uh, we're back for another episode of What Actually Is. We, uh, this is an interesting episode, because I've seen a few documentaries on, on pyramid schemes, on Ponzi schemes, and I, I never really knew where it originated, or, or honestly how they worked, or how people fell for them. So we decided to... And then you also wonder, I mean, we have a lot of good friends that are are doing their own kind of direct marketing through right. social media. Right. And so you wonder... Where's that line? Where does that line, yeah. right? Are they involved with a Bernie Madoff <laughs> yeah. Ponzi scheme? Or is not. this, you know... Is there something more legitimate? And where's the line, right? Yeah, where's exactly. the line really there? So uh, today we're talking about what actually is a pyramid scheme. All right, let's preface and say, if you are a uh, somebody who sells Herbalife or Arbonne or <laughs> any of these other ones that you may see on social media, this isn't a hit job. Th- this this is, is not a hit job. This is this is and this is not about sh- this is not about uh, your legitimate business practices mm-hmm. here, right? Because I mean, let's start with what a legit multi-level marketing yeah, what's company the structure is, look like, right? Yeah. What does the structure actually look like? So, um, I mean, the, the definition specifically for, for multi-level marketing is individuals, a, a company that's set up based upon individuals that are selling a product to the public, often by word of mouth or through direct sales, more commonly today through social, social media, media, through yeah. their own personal network, right? And the main idea behind a multi-level marketing company like an Herbalife, like an Arbonne, is really to promote the maximum number of distributors, right, or sales folks or whatever, typically independent contractors, folks that aren't direct employees, but are are representatives of yeah. that brand. Yeah, you're essentially bringing on contractors to continuously recruit and, and grow your sales force. Right, right. And so, I mean, typically, right, the promoters will... Or, or the distributors, they'll get they'll get paid for on the sale of a product. Mm-hmm. They'll also get compensated for different re- recruits that they bring on to the organization, right? Um, and they'll 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 at times make money from the money that their recruits make and the commission that they get paid. Uh, and so there's you know multi levels to this marketing yeah. strategy essentially. And um, you know I think that a clear line between where something is a multi-level marketing and to where it gets into pyramid scheme is a pyramid scheme specifically is it's fraudulent. It's disguised as multi-level right. marketing, right? And there's really no real product. And I think one of the best ways you can look at it is if you have to get paid in your multi-level marketing company by bringing on Someone new else. people. Right. If you have to continuously yeah. feed yeah. new people in there, I mean, that's eventually going to run out. You're essentially getting paid by the sign-up fee that you get others to pay. Like yeah. That's where your payment comes from. Right. And so the key thing there is is making sure that you are making money by your own sales of the goods, right? right. right? And not just having to bring on people all the time yeah. in order to you know make money. Yeah. Because right? I mean, I remember, I think it was an Herbalife feature that, I, that I'd watched and they were saying that maybe it was Herbalife or it was Arbonne or it was one of those health-focused MLMs. Um, and it was like, like single digits in terms of how much of the revenue came from people just buying the product or subscribing. It was all like 90% plus was from this whole multi-level structured 
uh, like recruiting new residual income. Yeah, exactly. That's where most of the money yeah. was made. So it's, it's, you know, what brand do you really have outside of your sales force that's continually paying their monthly fee and getting other people to pay it? You right. know, it's not like you have customers that are just going online to purchase your protein powder or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's your revenues coming from people that are tied into the subscription model, hoping to get paid from it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so some of the warning signs yeah. that we that we found is according to the Federal Trade Commission, right? So here are some of the, the warning signs. And, and, you know, you can look at these in a couple different ways. But the first one is the promoters of the multi-level marketing campaign or a company make extravagant uh, promises <laughs> yeah. about your earning potential. Right. And, and honestly, you could say that for a lot of yeah. sales organizations right. just in general, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it's about the hype of being able to make money and... Yeah. If you work hard, you get what you pay for. You get what you earn. Um, so, I, you know, that, well, I think it's like the discrepancy between what's actually possible. You know, like when you're making sales claims, it's all normally based on the foundation of the product you're selling. Yeah. Like maybe your return won't be as good as you think, but it will be in a range. Right. Whereas this is kind of like you can afford a new lifestyle. You can buy a house, all this yeah. stuff. But that's pretty far from the reality. Well, that's it. key there, too. Right. So like Herbalife is it a, is an example. I mean, it's a. Pretty sure it's a publicly We're yeah it's a publicly out a traded sponsor there, but it's yeah. a, <laughs> it's a publicly traded company yeah right so I mean they're they're a legitimate business mm. and um, but they've been you know attacked before and they've been subjects of, of different lawsuits in yeah. the past of for making claims that were they couldn't live up to right for their claims in terms of for their distributors okay. yeah, exactly yeah. for their potential terms yeah. for their for their distributors right so and like there's an example of a, of a particular lawsuit that had happened where they had to pay out a bunch of distributors but never um never said that they actually did any wrongdoing yeah interesting right? yeah yeah so anyway so that's the first part and right? people and honestly people do make a lot of money from that oh, i mean i knew people sure. in college that were doing uh there was a, like an energy drink one and i knew yeah. people that were on their way to making six figures a year yeah granted they had signed up a bunch of other people I knew that weren't making anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, for some people, and, and a big thing is getting in early. That's mm-hmm. when you're in that, uh, on the upper side of that pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> when you're on the upper side of that. Multi-level uh, marketing yeah, company. Yeah. yeah. That's when you actually can see in, insane returns. Yeah. Yeah. Because eventually it's going to, I mean, yeah. you're going to dilute the market. Yeah. Right? If you're the, the first hundred or first 10, mm-hmm. and then it's a hundred thousand members, but they're all under your branch or, or a, a large majority under your branch. That's an attractive uh, return. For yeah, sure. for sure. I mean, and for for organizations too. I mean, they get to. I mean, as an organization, you get to leverage the direct marketing, the personal relationships that your distributors yeah. actually have, yeah. and you're saving a ton on just overall. You know, your your operating costs are pretty low. Mm-hmm. If you if you're relying on your freelance. Uh, force to just go out on their own and whether they want to pay for marketing or they want to speak it's like when you do influencer marketing as a brand you're paying right. that influencer hopefully to get a, a positive return on that investment right but these people are doing it all on their own yeah like they're paying you to be able to sell your product which right. is an incredible i mean it's a great business model it's a great but business model for sure and some people do make money and, uh, and others don't yeah. for sure yeah. yeah so okay the first red the worst red flag according to the federal trade commission was extravagant promises which is you could say for a lot of yeah. things so let's go to the next one um promoters emphasize recruiting new distributors for your sales network as the real way to make money hmm that's yeah, what that's, they say. That's, that's where you think the most common red flag you usually see. Yeah. If yeah. you have to continuously like selling products is one thing. Yeah. But if you have to continuously bring in other people. Yeah. Selling a lifestyle to, you know, a potential yeah. customer yeah. Is, is different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Third is promoters for the organization play on your emotions or use high pressure sales tactics saying that if you don't sign up now, then you're going to lose out. Yeah. So, Which in theory, potentially you will because your potential pool of uh, clients that you could find is getting yeah. smaller and smaller, but yeah. that's a red flag if, if your pool of sales is shrinking day after day. You see, you see a lot of that in, I think, marketing and in sales in general. Mm-hmm. You got to act now. Yeah. Now is the, yeah. it's the Black Friday sale. It's whatever it is, right? And the question is like, how legitimate is that yeah. claim? Like, is that offer still going to be there mm-hmm. a week down the road after you have some time to think about it a yeah. little bit more, right? Any, any type of impulsive decision is probably not going to be the right. best move. And the fourth is distributors, okay, and this is, I think this is probably key. Distributors buy more products than they want to use or mm. can resell. Just yeah, stay active in the company the, yeah. or to qualify for bonuses or other yeah. rewards, right? Yeah. yeah, stockpiles of inventory. Yeah. That's a bubble. That's, that burst. was the main thing. Uh, it was a clothing brand that I, I think it was a Vice, Vice episode on it. And people were purchasing, it was like leggings and whatnot, and then they would resell them. So people were renting storefronts to create this legging store, mm-hmm. but they were ending up with hundreds of leggings that they couldn't sell, or some of them were defective and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that's, and similarly with, with health and wellness supplements. I mean, granted, I think you probably use those daily, so you might have a uh, less of a stockpile, yeah. but you know, it's still, you still notice it stacking up in the closet. Over yeah. There. So my, my read from, from this here is it's like, using a lot of common sense here, right? If you're looking at a business model, if you're requiring to bring in people and it's not as focused on selling a, a, a legitimate product that's yeah. good for people, right? Like I'm sure the Arbon product is great. Yeah. And if you're focused on that, then that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're having to constantly bring on new people to, to then sell more, mm. that's that's probably, and that's probably not what Arbon does or yeah. Herbalife does, but that's that's where you would get into the, the pyramid scheme. Yeah. I wonder if you get, I mean, this is something we, we probably should have looked up, but I wonder if, are you getting a percentage of the the overall sale value when when people come and order from f- from, from you for network? their sign up? Yeah, is are you solely getting paid on them joining the network, or are you getting paid? I guess you could say that a percentage of your commission is just coming from their reordering. So yeah, I guess. In- so yeah, no, the compensation plan. And this is for a legitimate multi level marketing company. Mm. It's structured so that the commission is paid to individuals at multiple levels. Okay. Right. Yeah. So all the people that I brought in after me, yeah, I'm going to get paid on those commissions. And so are those people that had mm. brought me in originally, right. right. All the way up the, and they, they justify ladder. that as essentially it's not commissions on membership, which in theory you're paying it's, it's membership in exchange for product, but they, it's justified as well. They're just reordering all of their supplements, and you're getting a percentage of that supplement sale. Yeah. So probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of companies are structured differently. Yeah. But I think the idea is all the same. There's yeah. different levels to this. Yeah. Marketing campaign, and you get paid off for those people that you end up bringing in. Yeah. And I think the the real negative association comes with like a Bernie Madoff and you know some of like the Ponzi schemes mm-hmm. those are those are well that's kind of where this all I don't want to necessarily compare them because the difference between a Ponzi scheme is that there's no actual exchange of product mm-hmm. it's a it's moving of money mm-hmm. so I actually I, I did some research on Ponzi scheme because um I was curious where they came from who were you done with was there yeah. more on mm-hmm. uh, MLM okay so Ponzi scheme was actually named after Charles Ponzi who who kind of became the father of, of Ponzi schemes. Oh, man. Yeah. But if you go back in history, there was actually an earlier one in, in uh, 1879. Her name was Sarah Howie. 
53 so year old it's not a howie scheme though yeah i know it's kind of yeah, yeah they should give her a little bit ponzi howie howie ponzi scheme. yeah but it is what it is so 53 years old she'd been a widower since she was 24 she was making money from fortune telling she was a clairvoyant but and she was pretty good at it. i mean people she had a reputation and then she found her way just i think because of the uh respect she got within that space she was working herself into these odd jobs like she completely unqualified zero medical training but she worked as a physician for a while oh god and then she actually picked up some shifts in a, a boston sanitarium working with mentally ill patients which is like that requires and she had no background no in background. any of this no, no education not at all. yeah and then so you know making ends meet getting by but then one day you know she had an idea and and in in the late 19th century i think there was i mean obviously significantly less equality then than there is now still got a ways to go but she thought of the idea that there's women that were um making money but the money that women made was significantly smaller than than the average income from men so banks didn't really pay much attention to it so literally nothing has changed (laughs) yeah exactly so she basically came up with this idea to take money from what was referred to as unprotected women women that were financially independent from men and wanted to keep it that way um and she wanted to create this bank called the ladies deposit And what she did was she basically furnished this bank in New Bedford, Massachusetts with uh, like rich, ornate, overly feminine accents to kind of, I mean, it was great marketing. She she built this bank for the demographic that she was targeting Uh Um, and used language like overly worked, uh, ill-paid sisterhood, things that she knew would, would appeal to independent women um, that that kind of felt the, the inequality. But, it wasn't just the pretty bank that won her clients over. She kind of came up with this offering that was, I mean, even today would be pretty impossible to refuse. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess we've probably gotten smarter with how we handle, handle our finances, but she told investors or, or bankers rather that they would get an 8% return interest rate uh, and double their investment in just nine months which is good. I mean, an 8% return, very attractive. But not only that, new depositors would get their th- uh, first three months interest paid in advance, which was unheard of. I mean, if you deposit you know, $1,000, you're getting the 8% over three months paid out immediately. Hmm. So it was unheard of, obviously garnered a ton of attention. Uh, by 1880, she'd gathered roughly like half a million dollars across 800 women and half a million dollars in 19th century, uh, $13 million or so. And she became so rich that she actually bought, uh, she bought a $50,000 mansion with a 20% down cash payment, $50,000, which is, which is like five million. It's like buying a $5 million house. I mean, it's, yeah, Yeah, it's, uh, it's not bad, but, uh, fortunately it didn't last long. 1880 people start catching on to it. Um, and it turned out that obviously she was, taking those investments from new depositors and paying out that three month uh, interest advance payment immediately. So there was no, they weren't making, uh, they weren't making profits on their interest. It was solely just uh, taking money from Paula to pay Pauline. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So she ended up doing three years in prison uh, and then she got out and ran the uh, same exact scheme from 1884 to 1886 and then got caught again. Fortunately, uh, went back to fortune telling, and then she died in, in uh, 1892. 
Wow. Yeah. So she's the real. She is the real Ponzi. I I, I am like uh, ashamed that she doesn't get credit. It is. For this. It is. I know. I, I, you I don't know? know when. Uh, That's pretty sexist, yeah. honestly. Well, I think I think the bigger thing was Charles Ponzi got a lot of attention for it. I mean, it was. I mean, this this okay. was written about. You know, but I think you you fast forward forty years. You go nineteen nineteen was when uh, Charles Ponzi came up with his scheme. All so right. so we're in. We're in World War One, exactly. about the, the tip of the uh, of the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Charles Ponzi uh, was actually a pretty successful businessman. He would um, purchase IRCs, which are international reply coupons, um, and he would have agents in uh, in international company and in international countries where those IRCs were cheaper there than they are in the U.S. So mm-hmm. he would send them the money. They'd purchase these IRCs. He'd s- they'd send them back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and then he would sell them for a greater value. It's just classic arbitrage. And he made, I think, like a 400% return and mm-hmm. started getting a, some notoriety. People were impressed with his, his investing strategies. But then he got greedy. He thought, let me take in some money. Yeah, because that to that point, that's all legitimate. It's all legal. That's yeah. all legal. Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, arbitrage is pretty much encouraged in the U.S. I yeah, mean, if you can yeah. find something to purchase elsewhere and sell for more here, yeah, yeah. that's, you know, yeah. why would you not? But then he got greedy. Then he got greedy. Um, he created a new company called uh, the Securities Exchange Company, and he promised returns of 50% in 45 days or 100% in 90 days. I think that probably speaks to your red flags. Those are pretty unrealistic yeah. uh, possibilities. But because his uh, post uh, post stamp arbitrage business had done so well, people were like, "I mean, he's, he's got, got something figured out. He, yeah. he knows what he's doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him my money." Kind of stop and highlight the fact that he called it the Security Exchange Company. I know. I, I think when I read that, I had to reread it to make sure it wasn't talking about the ex, like Securities Exchange. Yeah. yeah, I mean the SEC. Yeah, as it's known today. Interesting. Yeah. So. What was actually taking place, similar to Sarah Howie, people that were investing in him, he was taking those initial investments, repaying the other investors that were expecting their 45% return or their uh-huh. 100% return. And then, you know, it all came crashing down. He was arrested. Uh, honestly, none of these last very long. He started in 1919. This was busted in 1920. Um, and then there was this massive newspaper investigation. He was charged on several accounts of mail fraud, but he just got a ton of notoriety from it. So that's when I think the lawmakers mm. came into the picture and said, okay, this is, maybe it was because Sarah Howie had done it successfully. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, people are figuring out yeah. how to do this multiple times. I think we need to put some, put some laws, laws in place. Behind this. So this was all for the, the laws at the time was all legal. What he was doing? It was all, le- uh, no, I think. The arbitrage was legal, yes. but the I I don't know. That's a good point. I didn't read about any laws that were being. I mean, I think it's it's mail fraud. First of all, that was the first thing they mm-hmm. charged him on. But then I okay. think there were probably laws put into place they're based after. on this model of taking money from investors to pay other investors, thinking that they're getting their mm. return payments. Robbing Peter yeah. to pay Paul. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And then you have you know Bernie. And then you Madoff bring it was, to the present day. Yeah. To Bernie Madoff, which yeah. is just. I mean, well, that was like sixty-eight billion. I think that was like. Was, I feel like that Wizard, was, was Wizard a, of Lies. Was that what it was called? Yeah, Wizard of Lies. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, that yeah. was. I mean, that was. It was Robert also like De Niro. Two decades. I mean, it was. It was yeah. a long one. Yeah. yeah, it was an interest. That was an interesting movie to watch too, because I mean, I remember, no way, all this coming around, and it was like perfect timing, and 
just around the financial crisis. And yeah. So people were just pissed off. Yeah. And it all happened to all the chickens came home to roost around this time. Yeah. Right. And at least in the movie, who knows how it actually happened in real life, but in the movie, he was like, yep, I'm guilty. Yeah. And like right off the bat. Yeah. Because how are you, I mean, that's what's so surprising to me is embarking on the journey to create a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Like what is the end goal? Yeah. I mean, to maybe just not get caught before you die Never. or, you know, and then like Bernie Madoff's case, he had a family, you know, if he couldn't keep it up, it was going to fall on someone. Mm-hmm. So, and, and his, I mean, his was bigger just in terms of actual investor. He had thousands of investors. They'd invested tens of billions of dollars. Um, and he also just played off this front of, uh, respectability in, on wall street. I mean, yeah. he was a super successful or, or so-called a super successful investor, but I mean, he took it a degree further too, because you needed to show income statements. I mean, you needed to show your tax records and it was all fraudulent. Wow. So that so was, was that. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, completely. when you're, I mean, I don't know if you, if there were photoshopping it, but whatever you were doing, I mean, that's so many more degrees of, of, uh, I think just, uh, I mean, it's just the way that the depth that they were going to, yeah, to, to hide everything. Yeah. And, and at least from the movie, I mean, it was him and like a couple other people that mm-hmm. were in on it. Yeah. Right. And I then mean, apparently his, his apparently children his kids thought know. they was an, it was a legitimate business. Yeah. And honestly, a sad story too, because yeah. you know, if they, if they were not guilty, I think one of them ended up committing suicide, yeah. one of his sons and mm-hmm. the other ended up dying from cancer. Yeah. Right. That's right. I forget the other one died of cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and he really got hammered for it in terms of his his trial. He got 150 years in prison, uh, forced to forfeit uh, seven seventeen billion dollars. I think they've only paid out a couple billion to uh, to the victims, like thirty seven thousand victims, Jeez. and they've only paid out you know five percent maybe people's of it. Life savings. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Gosh. So and, and is he still in prison? Uh, unless he, unless he'd passed away. Yeah. Cause he would have been there. He's not going to make it the 150, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's what really drew the general public to, to knowing what a pyramid scheme was, or at least having heard of it. But I mean, there or was a Ponzi scheme. Uh, sorry. Pon, pon, good catch. Because, Ponzi because, scheme. A, because a Ponzi, a Ponzi scheme, scheme falls a... under a category of pyramid scheme. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. It all, it all has to do with exchanging, um, well, See, I don't want to put them in the same boat because I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here. But it seems like it all has to do with exchanging. Um, well, there's multi levels to it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's a better way to put it. There's yeah, multi levels sure. to the, <laughs> it's to the a business very safe model, way to right? Put it, yeah. But there's one as a legitimate product behind yeah. it, and the other is just moving around money. Yeah. It's okay. the same as a billionaire boys club. The, those guys do the same thing. A bunch of 20 something year old guys that um, I, I think the story was that they'd basically come up with this pitch that they'd figured out how to invest in gold in an extremely profitable manner, or maybe that was the initial phase of their investments. So they raised, I mean, millions of dollars and it was the exact same thing. They mm. were just paying out new investors with, Interesting. yeah. And then, I mean, all comes crashing down. I mean, there's a lot of different types of it too. Like, I don't know if uh, like a pump and dump scheme also falls under a pyramid scheme, but that's like what uh, Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street yeah. had done, right? Yeah. They were going in, that was like Taking security company's front, IPO. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, they were basically, they were inflating the stock price yeah. for these companies, yeah. right? And just, you know, with all these different transactions, mm-hmm. bringing up the, the price of the stock and selling it, yeah. and then it all just... Which almost seems like a, a step down from Ponzi schemes. Like Ponzi schemes seem so... I mean, you could see Jordan 
Belfort's uh, claim that they were just, I mean, were they inflating the value of the stock? They're, cre- you know, they're cre- creating perceived value. Mm-hmm. But like with a Ponzi scheme, you're literally just, I mean, you, you're taking money from people and paying it to other, yeah. other people to keep them happy. Yeah. I mean, I think they're both doing that though. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, more directly. More directly. Yeah. yeah. Like, gotta, here's a check. And you're knowingly doing that. Ones. Like it's not a matter of like when you get in or when you get out of the stock yeah. market. It's like we know taking this money yeah. from you that it's not going to be yeah. uh, you're not going to get a return from it even yeah. if it's your life savings yeah. it's crazy. I, I think honestly and Bernie Madoff is still alive by the way yeah that's okay. what it says. how old is he he's 82 oh yeah incarcerated at the federal correctional complex in Butner wow so Ruth Madoff that's his wife it makes you wonder if, if these guys would have regretted it had they not been cut like same with a forfeiture you know, of 17 billion that's, that's what that's what you said seven oh th- this uh <laughs> no this i had 170 billion but i think uh okay. 17 right. billion. i was gonna Wikipedia. yeah i was gonna say uh 170 billion. Wow, he was way wealthier than i realized maybe his entire no because his entire fund was like 68 billion so okay. i think i think you're right there okay 150 year prison term forfeiture of 17.179 billion dollars wow. that's that's crazy that's a lot of freaking money yeah yeah, and I mean, you know, it makes you wonder, like, did they go and they, I wonder how Ruth is living now. I wonder how their family is living. Like, did they hide some of that money away? I mean, it's hard to show your face. I mean, well, and that's yeah. what stuff, too, is, I mean, are people going to believe that you had no idea what was happening? I mean. That's the big question. Yeah. Right. Maybe he was good at covering up, but, you know. I yeah. don't know According to the movie, they made it play. Yeah. They played it off as if it was, uh, they didn't know. I wonder yeah. if he helped fund that movie, actually. Yeah, just from you know, some of his victims putting in some of the money that they'd been paid out. Or you no, mean, like him actually like trying to change the PR. Oh, of movie, his right, of, like the outlook on his family. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because that's one position. Because like honestly, who's you'll never truly know mm-hmm. if they knew or not. Yeah, right. I mean, I think your son committing suicide. It's probably tells you something. Yeah, but I mean. Like, you know, we'll never truly know what those conversations were like around yeah. Thanksgiving dinner, if this was actually discussed, or if maybe they just had an idea that it was going on yeah. and just didn't want to ask yeah, those something questions. something didn't add up, but yeah. Yeah. I mean. So we went down a rabbit hole a little bit here. Let's make yeah. it very, very clear. Yeah. That this is, no one's going to jail if you're in a legitimate M-O. multi-level marketing, yeah. right? You can make good money yeah, we doing we tied that. those two together. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. We tied those two together because there's a natural progression when it mm-hmm. comes to the structure of those businesses. Mm-hmm. But one is a legitimate business that's leveraging you know, direct marketing, mm-hmm. social media marketing, and, and, and it makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, the other is robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. It's it's deceptive practices and it's against the law, yeah. right? And there's a reason that there, I mean, there's a significant significant amount of, of multi-level marketing companies in the United States. And honestly, I mean, it was interesting going back through this history, right? The uh, uh, Ponzi guy, and then who was the woman before? Uh, had, Sarah had, Howie. Yeah, Sarah yeah. Howie. Both the United States. Yeah, and then there was one in Germany. Okay. That was also in the 19th century, but I, I couldn't find enough information on him, but. Um, yeah, it seems like the end of the 19th century kind of sparked it, and then... Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And I'm sure, I mean, I can only imagine how many more there have been. You know, I'm sure there's tons that there's you're not hearing of, of but uh, yeah, these are these are the largest ones. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting, man. Well, very cool. Well, we unpacked it. Yeah. We unpacked it. Now we know. Now we know now what they we are. Now we know. Now yeah. we know what it actually is. I'm Grayson Pangelinan. I'm Sebastian Ravitz. Thank you guys for listening here today. We'll talk soon.